know, the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted. And I mean, we were, we were brokenhearted knowing the diagnosis of our son. Miles Hannon was born with brain damage and a neuromuscular disorder that was difficult to pinpoint. His parents did everything in their power to help their baby to live, but eventually there was nothing more they could do. Because now the decision is not, you want to sustain his life or not? Now it is, how do you want him to go out? That's not a decision that any parent wants to face. first introduce you to Adam and Christina Hannon in part one of this episode. Now in part two of their story, Adam and Christina will share about the remarkable way God worked through Miles' short life. This is GPS, God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Jim Kirkland. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, Has not God made the wisdom of this world look foolish? For it was after the world in its wisdom had failed to know God that he in his wisdom chose to save all who would believe the gospel message. I'm Ethan Jones. You just heard from Billy Graham, and you can learn more about the wisdom of God right now at findpeacewithgod.net. Or you can call our 24-hour prayer line. The number is 888-388-2683. God People Stories. He was airlifted down to Minneapolis Children's Hospital um, just shortly after he was born. Miles Hannon was born in the middle of a blizzard in November of 2010. He was suffering from brain damage and a rare neuromuscular disorder. Adam and Christina had to decide whether or not to take extraordinary measures to save his life. It was presented to us, like, are you sure you want to go this route with giving him the medical equipment that he needs? Don't you realize how inconvenient this child will be? That's how it was presented to us. Now, at the time, we had three older children who were not handicapped, but highly inconvenient, aren't all children. So the answer was yes, a resounding yes, this is an easy choice for us. Help our son, whatever it takes. So... That's where we were. Adam and Christina recounted those heart-wrenching first days in part one of their story last week. It was their deep faith in Christ and prayers from the community of believers around them that kept them from falling into despair. We were desperate for hope. We were, we were at our lowest point as far as like, like, we've never experienced anything like this. That was the hardest week of our lives. When Miles finally arrived home after three months in the hospital, it was 24 degrees below zero, but that didn't matter to all the people who had been praying for Miles. Our friends and family came out and lined the whole city block. They had signs and banners saying, welcome home, Miles. And so as the ambulance pulled up the street, they saw this parade pretty much of just 
people who had been faithful to pray for us and support us through this journey. And they were so excited to see baby Miles finally be able to come home. And um, and so that was a celebration like none other. The Hannans, who had three other young children at home, needed all the support they could get. That support often took the form of prayers and encouragement. Which is all tremendous. But they needed some help in other more tangible ways, too. That part was difficult for Adam to accept. Baby Miles needed a ventilator, a feeding tube, and around-the-clock care in order to have any chance of surviving. And the Hannon's 100-year-old home needed some critical upgrades to its electrical system. So we had a friend who was an electrician who said, I'm just going to go fix it. I'm going to go install all sorts of stuff. And I don't even understand it all, but he, he said he would do it. And he would do it for free. And I tell you, I struggled with that at first. Maybe that was pride. I don't know. But here's somebody wanting to do something really nice and really expensive. And I wasn't the one providing that. I had to accept that as a gift. It takes a lot of humility, we found, to be able to accept help. Mm -hmm. um, even when you know, we needed help. We did. Yeah. But I said I didn't need it. So our pastor at the time pulled me aside. He said, listen, you're going to accept the help. And here's why. One, you say you don't need it. You don't really understand what you need right now. And second, we will not deny these people joy and treasures in heaven. Those are things that they are storing up and receiving. They're receiving joy right now, joy in giving. That's that's just how it works. God asked us to be joyfully generous, and they were joyful in their generosity. And there is something, Jesus talks about it, in storing up treasures in heaven. Why, why would I, in my pride, want to deny that from our dear friends? So I learned a lot. Adam accepted his friend's no-strings-attached gift. But then came another big adjustment. Suddenly, in addition to Adam, Christina, baby Miles— and three other children. There were also nurses in their home day and night. There was a lot of medical going on, you know, a lot. Of, it felt like a, we had a revolving door on our front door. There were a lot of therapists that would come in and work with him, physical therapists, occupational therapists, respiratory therapists. Um, there was nursing care there. 20 hours a day, yep. we were able to have four hours a day being family time where Adam and I would be um, the ones in charge of caring for Miles. With multiple strangers in their home for 20 hours a day, the Hannon's family life was suddenly on display. Right from the start, they faced a decision on how they were going to live. We, um, we as a family just have a, a habit um, of reading the Bible, reading a chapter of the Bible after each meal. Um, it's just a great way for us to remind ourselves that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. And so we like to include that within our mealtime. So we would read a chapter of the Bible and we practice our memory verse. And at that time, we were even singing a hymn after each after each meal. And so the first meal that we had Miles home, there was, you know, at that point, I think there were three nurses <laughs> with us. And so it, um, it was kind of this awkward moment after the meal because mm -hmm. we knew what the expectation of, of our family was. Our, our other children knew 
okay, the meal is ended. Now this is what we do. We, we read the Bible. Um, but the nurses didn't know that. And so it's just kind of one of those moments, the elephant in the room, sort of like, what, what do we do now? There was a battle in my mind. Do I continue our family tradition and read a chapter of the Bible now that we're done eating? Or do I just kind of let that, let that go? And man, I was fighting it the whole meal. <laughs> because what will they think when we just read the Bible? Adam had been following Jesus since he was a little boy. He knew that trust in God was the only thing pulling his family through such a difficult time. And yet it's so easy to relate to that awkward moment of decision. Would he keep up the family tradition and put their faith on display? Or would he keep it private? And eventually I landed on, I'm doing it. I'm just going to open the Bible, open to where the bookmark is, and I'm just going to read a chapter. And wouldn't you know it, it was, the bookmark was in Acts chapter 2 during the Pentecost. And Peter gets up and he's preaching the gospel to thousands of people from around the world in Acts chapter 2. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, so Peter is preaching the gospel then and there. He's also right now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to these three nurses at the end of my table. The gospel is being shared. We're going to keep this up and see what God does with it. (laughs) And we had wonderful relationships with the nurses. We had so many great conversations. We talked about life. We talked about Jesus. We talked about, well, everything. When Adam and Christina decided to fight for Miles' life in spite of the difficulties, they did so because they wanted him to experience love for however long God gave him on earth. They wanted him to know God's love and also the love of his family, including his six and two-year-old brothers and his four-year-old sister. In the early days of his life in the hospital, no one was allowed to hold Miles. But when he was home, it was a totally different story. Yeah, we we got to hold him. He barely got put down. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty much his life was being held and being loved because every day that was our mission. You know, we, we have another day with Miles, another mm-hmm. day. Um, how can we show him that we love him? And so that's what we did. We sat in this cozy armchair in the living room and he would just be held. And when I had to get up and go do something, one of the other kids would hold him and read him a story and just cuddle and play, you know, little toy matchbox cars with him. Over time, Adam and Christina and their children learned what Miles liked and didn't like, and they did everything they could to bring him joy. He loved balloons. Um, He loved music. Adam would sit and play the handbells for him. Um, And he loved that. There was a woman from our church who played the harp and she would actually come and bring a smaller harp to our home and play for him because he got to experience both the the sound, but also the vibration that would come um, through the harp. And so he he loved that and was just so blessed by her coming. And... um, like I said, his his brothers would would share their little toy Lightning McQueen cars with him. And, and so part of his therapy once a week was to play with these cars on his little high chair table. Um, so he, he enjoyed his family. He enjoyed his siblings. They all celebrated Miles' first birthday in December 2011. As that year passed into another, however, he began to struggle with hydrocephalus, which is too much fluid on the brain. Doctors tried everything they could to manage it, 
But eventually, they reached a point where there was nothing more they could do. That was hard when we were faced with that. Um, because now the decision is not, do you, want, do you want to sustain his life or not? Now it is, how do you want him to go out? That's not a decision that any parent wants to face. And that was, that was hard. Adam and Christina brought in hospice care for Miles when he was around 18 months old. At this point, they were told that any given day might be his last. I remember um, during hospice, there was a, a time when we thought this is the end. Um, we've never seen, you know, heart rate and oxygen rate recover. Like uh, this is what the nurses said. The nurses said they, they've never seen heart rate and oxygen recover from numbers like we were seeing with Miles at that point. And so we had called down his siblings to say their final goodbye to Miles. And as they came down the stairs, they came to his crib and they stood by him and, and just rubbed his, his arms and his legs and his feet and, and just, Miles, we love you, love you. And his numbers shot up to normal. I mean, it was, it was incredible. You just saw this turnaround in him, just like, no, I just, I just wanted my, my family with me. With his family around him, Miles lived six weeks longer than expected, and he was held and loved the whole time. However, when Miles was 20 months old, he went to be with Jesus. And that was a comfort to us, that we knew that he was home, that he was with the Lord, and we didn't, we didn't have to fear anymore um, because we know whose hands he's in. They held a celebration of life service for Miles at their church. It was complete with lots of balloons and the original Welcome Home Miles sign that had greeted the ambulance more than a year before. The family had purchased a plot for Miles at a small cemetery. And we were actually able to bury him ourselves, so actually shovel the dirt in um, ourselves, which isn't for everyone, but for us it was um, a good closure, um, a good sense of healing. Um, and we had a, a stone made for him that had part of Psalm 121 engraved on it, which had been, you know, such a, a source of, of hope and life to us during his life. And the portion that we had engraved was the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. At least that was the plan for the headstone. But something went wrong, something that might seem small at first, but would be one of those things that could have sent two exhausted, grief-stricken parents over the edge. Well, the day that the stone was installed in the cemetery, my mother had stopped on her way to come and visit us for the day. And she called me from the cemetery and she said, you are not going to believe this. They made a, a spelling error. And so the stone, you know, engraved in stone, it says, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time froth and forevermore. <laughs> you know, at that point, I, I had just buried a child. Um, I, all of my emotions were fried. <laughs> and so I thought either I laugh about this or this is the thing that kills me, you know? <laughs> And so we did, we laughed and we laughed. And um, of course they, they fixed the spelling error. 
Um, so now the stone reads correctly. But each time we now go to the cemetery, we bring along a frothy mug of root beer. And um, we celebrate with a root beer float and just say, cheers, Miles. The Lord um, has kept your going out and you're coming in from this time froth and forevermore. So um, it just adds a lightheartedness um, and laughter to an otherwise, you know, very sad. And, and it is sad. And we do feel those emotions. But oh, it helps to laugh as well. We can learn so much from the Hannons' faithfulness. But we did ask them if there was ever a point throughout their son's short life when they felt they were losing their own faith. I would almost say the opposite happened for us. You know, the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted. And I mean, we were, we were brokenhearted knowing the diagnosis of our son. And I can't explain this theologically, but Jesus felt so near. We could feel his nearness in a way that I can't, I cannot explain it theologically. I can't explain it rationally. We could just feel his presence. The Bible says God's power is made perfect in weakness. Adam and Christina saw that truth on display time and again through their baby boy. God is always at work and he likes to, for whatever reason, work through people. And a lot of times it's people who are totally oblivious to how God is working. And wouldn't you know it, that God used the smallest and weakest and most vulnerable of our children to work in such magnificent ways and draw people closer to him. That's how God works. He doesn't use the, the strong and the mighty. I mean, he does and he can, but what I've seen is that he loves to use the humble and the vulnerable. And he used this small little baby with so many handicaps and disabilities to really capture the hearts of people in our community and point them to Jesus and point them to hope and point them to joy. That was amazing. God's love and faithfulness are evident throughout Adam and Christina Hannon's story. And they would want you to know that you can have the same peace and hope that they've experienced, no matter what you're going through. To learn how, visit us online at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, we'll hear about what the Hannons are up to these days and the special way their family honors Miles every year. You're listening to GPS. God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, Has not God made the wisdom of this world look foolish? Billy Graham. For it was after the world in its wisdom had failed to know God that he in his wisdom chose to save all who would believe the gospel message. In other words, the answer to the world's dilemma was called foolish in Paul's day. The Apostle said, but God has chosen what the world calls foolish 
to shame the wise. He has chosen what the world calls weak to shame the strong. He has chosen things of little strength and small repute, and yes, even things which have no real existence, to explode the pretensions of the things that are, that no man may boast in the presence of God. From start to finish, the gospel of Jesus Christ still contradicts the wisdom of men. Believe it, receive it, live by it, and it becomes wisdom this world can never know, that divine wisdom which belongs to those who know the secret of the Lord. Billy Graham just mentioned that the gospel was the answer to the world's dilemma. It's also the answer to your dilemma. Jesus wants you to experience the wisdom of God, and that can be found in a relationship with Jesus. You can learn more about that at findpeacewithgod.net. Or if you'd rather talk with someone, you can call our 24-7 prayer line at 888-388-2683. We have that number and a link to the website in the show notes. We've been listening to Adam and Christina Hannon's story in this special two-part episode of GPS. They said goodbye to their baby boy, Miles, more than 10 years ago. Since then, they've welcomed another child into their home. These days, they spend their time homeschooling their four children, plus Adam working hard in Christian radio and Christina working part-time for their church. The two of them also host a podcast together. It's called Forefront Podcast, and it's about adventure and friendship and marriage. And in addition to all of that, the Hannons also serve together as a family each year at the Ronald McDonald House in honor of Miles. At our time in the hospital, they were such a blessing to us to have a place um, that felt like home and didn't feel like a a cold waiting room, um, but where you could go and, and there would be warm peanut butter cookies and a hot cup of coffee and and, you know, a real couch. <laughs> um, it was such a blessing to us. And so we make it a tradition each year on Miles' birthday to go back to the Ronald McDonald House and serve a meal there as a family. And that's it's just a fun way to give back, but it's also a great way to minister because there are families who are in that place right now, who are facing those hard times. And we can see it. Indeed, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. It has been such an honor to have Adam and Christina with us on GPS. We want to thank them for taking the time to share their story with us. If you need prayer, our 24-hour prayer line is open. You can call anytime, day or night, and someone will be there to talk and pray with you. The number is 888-388-2683. You can also chat with someone online 24-7 at findpeacewithgod.net. I'm Ethan Jones. And I'm Jim Kirkland. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Good news.